Welcome to the Needham Saymore podcast. Uh, this is issue 11, episode 11, I should say. I'm Aaron Pressman. And I am Doug Fox. Thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, today's topic is probably the hottest topic in the United States of America at this time. Uh, Doug and I, two obviously Caucasian white guys, are going to try and discuss the issue of uh, racism and policing and how it's impacting Needham. Uh, came up at town meeting this week. And uh, I were you surprised, Doug? I was not surprised. I guess I didn't really think about it. I mean, once it started, I, I guess I felt dumb that I didn't know that it would be there. But like police budgets in, in town meeting, in my experience, you've been there longer, there's never a question about any of them. Like, I mean, it is, it comes up and it's like collective bargaining agreement done. Like most of it gets, gets passed without even making them present it. Um, so to have these in very good questions, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was the most fascinating part of town meeting from, from my perspective. It was, it was definitely fascinating. Um, so the first thing that happened, as you, as you alluded to, was the police budget came up and they were asking for two new officers, which cost about $140,000. And a town meeting member named Rebecca Waver got up and, uh, she proposed that we not add two, uh, police officers to the budget. And here, here was what she said. Needham is not Minneapolis or Buffalo or Austin. In our own way, we have an opportunity to look at uh, what we're funding in terms of policing, if it's the best use of those funds, and I think to take a hard look at the status quo. She and some other town meeting members were urging us to, you know, maybe spend more on social services, look at other ways to deal with some of the problems uh, the police are, are dealing with in town. Chief John Schlichter, who's the head of the police, eventually was asked to explain a little bit about kind of why we needed two more officers and what was going on uh, with policing in Needham. And this was his explanation. These two positions will be assigned to the patrol force, which will allow us to free up an officer to be at community outreach position. And when we talk about mental health and the community outreach position. It's just not about um, mental health. It's about substance abuse. It's about domestic violence. Uh, it's about elder abuse. So this officer in the community outreach would be following up on these incidents, thus allowing more time for our patrol officers uh, to patrol the town. About a year and a half ago, um, the Needham Police Department completed the International Association of Chiefs of Police One Mind Pledge. And part of that pledge is that we substantiate a partnership with a local health, mental health organization we update our policies dealing with officers' interaction with those affected with mental illness. 20% of our police department has to be crisis intervention trained, and all of our officers have mental health first aid. So Chief Schlichter kind of explained, you know, how maybe Needham is trying to be at the cutting edge of community policing, but that didn't uh, stop the questions and the debate went on. Eventually, Mo Handel, who is the chair of the select board this year, um, kind of decided one way to handle this might be to make an offer to town meeting. I think we're all concerned about the issues that these questions reflect. We are committed to having a forum after town meeting to have a lengthy meeting to go over questions like these and these specific questions so that we all come to a common understanding of what we're about in Needham. With respect to this article, the select board supports approving the article as submitted. Thank you. 
And ultimately that's what happened. Uh, town meeting approved the police budget as it was submitted with the two new officers. The topic uh, continued, the discussion continued. A woman who was not in town meeting, I don't, I don't think I got her name, uh, got yeah, up. Yeah, I, I couldn't understand her name either. I wish I knew her name, but it's, she, it was very fascinating when she spoke. She, she had analyzed uh, the collective bargaining agreement. The police just signed a new contract with the town uh, and she had found a number of provisions. We can get into it in a minute, uh, you know, that she found troublesome. Um, but that wasn't really up for debate at town meeting. And then later, at the uh, towards the end of town meeting, in the kind of capital spending, uh, it came up again because uh, the police were asking for money for new handguns, and uh, that also led to a debate about um, you know use of force and so on. Although the handguns also uh, that um, was approved. So yeah. one of my one of my favorite quotes from one of those discussions is one of the town meeting members said, you know. You know, town leadership has had a lot of meetings about this. They know what they're doing, um, so we should we should pass it because they know what they're doing. And I'm like, the reason we're here is to question stuff. <laughs> you know, but it's it's fascinating. So, well, I think that's always you know, and we I think we probably make that uh, argument sometimes from the school committee as well that well, we've done a lot of work in vetting this and we made a lot of choices, so, so just do whatever we can. <laughs> obviously, that, that's not the point of having town meeting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think one thing, one thing that, that um, this raised to me as I was sitting there and trying to think about how to vote, ultimately, I did vote for the various budget items. I um, did. I did as well. I, I, at first I was thinking like, well, this is a terrible place to bring this up. And then as, as the discussion continued and it was like a very robust and informed and reasonable discussion and, and like kind of calm and an excellent discussion, I would say even informed, um, was that this was perfect because this is bring this is a real issue that our town needs to deal with. And the members of town meeting who live in town and who are more aware maybe than some of town leadership are on these issues, this was hammering away at this and saying, look, we, we need to look at this more. And eventually, you know, the select board committed to uh, deal with this more. And I don't, I, obviously this isn't going away. On Friday, there was a huge uh, march uh, in front of town hall about Black Lives Matter. So this is going to continue. And I mean, I, like I, this, I mean, but I, once again, I was surprised that it came up at town meeting, but this what came up on my radar is uh, the week before town meeting, the town leadership and Chief Schlittler both gave statements on what was going on in the world with the protest movements and stuff. And, you know, it, it, it said, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, we're basically mortified by what happened in Minneapolis, you know, but I mean, we're not Minneapolis and it talked about all the great things that we're doing. Um, and, you know, I, that hit with me because, um, and I just, I mean, as a, as we said at the beginning, I mean, I'm a white person. I live in Needham. I grew up in Needham. I know a bunch of the police in Needham. All of my personal experience with them as an adult, white adult in Needham has been exceptional. They've gone out of their way to help me, help my kids. Actually, the other night in the microburst, I had a son stuck at Junction and a police officer offered to drive him home, you know, in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, they go above and beyond. But what has become clear to me during this time as well is people of color in Needham perceive a very, very different experience. And this is something we need to talk about. Um, I, I've been lucky enough to, I don't know, any, uh, Needham has an amazing organization called the Needham Diversity Initiative that has a diversity summit every year. I attended a few years and they would have these panels every year and it was kids kids who grew up in Needham, parents of kids in Needham, Metco students, whatever. And a common theme was they felt, whether it was accurate or not, 
that they were more often targeted, more often written up, more often arrested. When they looked at the police logs, they felt like the majority of them that was written up were people of color, you know, whether from Needham or not. And when you think about, you know, Needham history uh, had, an, had an email this week where they said, people of color need them at seven and a half percent of town. You know, I actually was hoping it was a little more than that, but that's um, beyond the diversity summit. I, I've, I've coached a lot of children of color in town and I mean, parents would be concerned about their kid walking home in the dark from a practice, worried that the police were going to confront them as a person of color walking at night. Um, my sons have uh, friends that are of color and they feel, once again, accurate or not, they feel the police are more likely to talk to them or ask them where they're going when they're with these individuals. Um, I have a close fa a family that was close friends of ours, still close friends of ours that lived in Needham. And when they're oldest, they have two children of color. When their oldest was entering middle school, they chose to leave town because they were concerned as he started to become more of a man, you know, whether he would be perceived to be threatening. Um, and ancient history, but me growing up, I had you know, two good friends growing up in high school that um, were African-American. And I mean, we used to joke around about it, you know, as kids that when, you know, when Sam is with us, you know, that someone's going to stop us. They're going to talk to us, ask where we're going. Someone's going to call the police on us, whatever it is. Um, and, you know, once again, this is not my personal experience. So I'm talking second and third hand, you know, beyond what happened 30 something years ago. Um, and I'm not saying it's true but it is something we have to look into because for the people who feel that way, the town statement and the statement of the chief of police talking about all the great things we're doing. And it's like, you know, we're not Minneapolis and this won't happen here could sound tone deaf. Um, and if you want to talk about things very close to our backyard, there was an article in the globe recently about an incident in Newton, uh, a deputy athletic director for Northeastern was walking with his wife to Whole Foods when peace surrounded him with his wife, four cruisers responded, guns drawn, um, and it was a, it was a, you know, mistaken identity, uh, but he was shaken by that. He released a video, you know, he, he recently took a job down in New Orleans. He released a video after the fact uh, about it. And this in the Newton police call logs was referred to as a briefing investigation on Eddy street. Um, and he, I know historically, you know, people who are from this area will remember when D Brown was drafted by the Celtics and he was shopping for houses in Wellesley that he got pulled out of his car at gunpoint and held on the street because there was an African-American suspect who I think was 5'3", and they, they took a 6'3", they found a black person and, and put him to the ground. And, and recently I heard of an incident, once again, this is third hand, I'm not saying that this happened, I'm saying it was expressed to me that at the CVS in Heights, uh, in Needham Heights, that there was an African-American male that was detained and held at gunpoint uh, on a uh, suspicion of shoplifting, which was later disproven, he had a receipt and everything, but it left them traumatized. Um, so there are these incidents. Once again, I am not, these are not my personal experience, but these bother me enough that we have to, at the very least, there's a perception. So we have to talk about the communication of how we're gonna improve this perception. But the second step in this, I think as a town, we do need to look at what are the metrics of our police behavior when it comes to people of color. Like uh, we look at percentage of people stopped, percentage of people that are written up, percentage of people arrested. And once again, I'm not saying whatever those numbers are mean there's a problem, but they may help help prove that there isn't a problem to those who have the perception, which I think is still a good thing. Or they might, you know, give us some data into something that things we need to do better. 
and I just think that's a conversation that we have to have. And, you know, when I actually spoke to town leadership over the week about this, and I, I, I commented to people, I'm like, I don't feel comfortable doing this. Like, I'm, 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 I'm a white man. Like, who am I to be speaking out on this? And what was expressed to me is like, we are the ones who need to speak out because the people of color feel they're going to be seen as complaining, that it's something that happened to them. Um, and they also are concerned that people aren't going to listen to them. Um, but I, you know, personally, I feel we need to get a job. We need to do a better job of engaging these people, let them know they want to be heard. We need to have these stories come out um, in some sort of forum um, because I want to know. I think, I think, I think all Anita wants to know. Um, and, and I don't want our diversity to be seven and a half percent. You know, I want it to be more. And I don't want good families to feel they have to leave town because of things like that. So I, I, I really would like to work on the perception and, and in places where maybe we're not doing a good job, you know, make sure we're measuring that and, and improving it. I think you saw, you know, on the Facebook uh, community page, uh, again, in recent weeks, you know, um, several incidents uh, being recounted and a family also saying uh, they were gonna get out of town because yeah. they didn't feel comfortable in their neighborhood. In their neighborhood, so, yeah, I saw that. So, and I think, you know, another thing, which it, it was fascinating as you looked around that this discussion was going on in town meeting, right? There, there are no people of color or virtually no people of no, color it's... in town meeting. And there are no people of color that I know of on any town board, you know, no. committee, planning board, select board, finance committee or anything. So, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all connected and we, and we need to do better as we, encourage people to participate. And I think part of how we do that is, is as you say, showing that uh, these issues, we, we, see, we see what's going on. We see the yeah. issues of all the people in the community and all the questions in the community. And, and we're gonna start addressing them and make it a more um, inclusive place. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things, I mean, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna speak to the diversity initiative later this week, and one of the things I'm gonna say is, I mean, I, it's, I, I know we, we feel very prestigious to be on town meeting, but it's not hard to get on town meeting. I mean, I, I have been elected twice unopposed. Um, the turnout in the election, most recent election, I wanna say was pretty close to our minority percentage in town. I think it was like seven and a half percent of, or 8% of registered voters. So you think of it's not hard to motivate, you know, a greater percentage of that and get people elected, either people of color elected or people who are even gonna represent the issues that matter to the to those of color and the, and the need of community. So, uh, you know, a lot of times we focus on national, we focus on state. The easiest place to make change is at the local level. It's actually, um, you know, local judges, local leaders, you know, who's the, who are the district attorneys, you know, where are the sheriffs, you know, these can have a huge impact on the community and it's kind of been ignored. And uh, I think, I think people need to look at that and, and, and need them, need them is no different. So. The other thing is, you know, as we say, like, well, this incident hasn't happened here. This kind of thing has this most terrible thing hasn't happened here is look, we have an opportunity. We have sort of like a, a God given opportunity. If you, if you look at it that way to try and address these things and fix these things. I mean, I found some of the um, terms that are in the police collective bargaining agreement, very troubling uh, that were raised at town meeting. For example, that if there's a letter of reprimand on an officer after two years, that letter of reprimand pretty much can just disappear forever. Um, and that uh, all the officers are indemnified from liability if they're found to sort of be doing their duties. You know, these are things where in other places that have really uh, caused problems. 
you know, where officers who uh, have repeated issues are kept on the force and things like that. Now, I'm not none of that has happened in Needham yet, but we have an opportunity, yeah. I think, to have a wider conversation and start addressing some of these concerning things so that nothing ever happens. So we don't ever get yeah. ourselves in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just think of that. If someone, if your family were to have an incident with an officer, right, the first thing people kind of want to know is, is there a history with this officer? And there could be, and you would never know. Because if it's more than two years old, you know, it's it, it's gone. It's vanished, no matter what it is. And that's, um, I, I understand why the union would want that, but I, I don't think that's serving the best interest of the citizens, of, of all the citizens. Uh, I think we'd want to know, if there are people that are a problem and, and, and is our steps being taken to, to improve that situation. The other piece of the conversation that I think is really interesting and that um, has this very unfortunate um, popular label of defund the police, but I think what that movement is really about or, or what it should be about in my view is that as a society, as a town, as a state, you know, as we've cut back on certain programs and, and kind of trimmed the government in terms of healthcare response and mental illness response and uh, substance abuse response, these responsibilities have fallen down onto the police. Nobody, nobody did a study or held a committee and said like, oh, the police should be handled. Let's have the police handle more mental health and substance abuse problems. It fell to them because of kind of our neglect in other ways. And, and I think Part of the conversation that really was what was generating the question about whether we should fund these two new officers and the conversation we really should have is to take a holistic look at what are the kinds of things that the police and fire department maybe respond to and, and what, you know, what are they best suited to respond to? Are there other ways? Should we have like more of sort of like a, a social work or substance abuse um, team that's trained very specifically on those issues to address those kinds of situations uh, and avoid you know, some terrible tragedies that have happened in other places when, you know, a, a mentally ill person confronted the police and was killed or other situations like that. A big part of what I think town meeting wanted and what I would totally support is having this kind of more holistic look at what are the challenges the police and fire department first responders face and, and, and can we better uh, meet those, those situations with a different configuration of town people. Yeah, and I mean, there's also, I mean, the bigger discussion of, of, of police budget is, you know, as these other departments are, are always fighting for their budget, the police budget does tend to just increase and increase and increase. Um, and as they're adding headcount, and, you know, I, um, I mean, I always feel that a lot of those arguments are based on comparing to other towns that are also doing the same thing. Okay. Um, okay. And, you know, as a marketer, you know, like I always think the worst argument of why you should spend more is because other people are spending more. Like you should spend more because of what you're getting for that. So I just, uh, you know, are those discussions taking place? Is it just because the population grew or increasing? I mean, as a as a scientist, you know, wanting to do like a study, I'm, in, uh, I'm not suggesting we do this in town, but I'd just be curious, the police budget with this number of officers, Needham is super safe. If there was X number of less officers, how much less safe would it be? I mean, you almost want to know what's the ROI you get for each additional officer and you know each additional station, whatever that is, and I don't think that exists. But that's you know I feel like we have those discussions for other departments and other areas, um, and I think it's it's just a worthwhile discussion. Well, I think when we when we examined whether you know how to rebuild uh, the two fire stations and the police station, there was um, a look at how many calls the police and fire department and the ambulance go out on. 
and kind of a per capita look around and stuff. And I think that is a beginning to the piece of the puzzle. There are more call, there are more calls, but the question yeah. is sort of, are they the things that the police yeah. are best suited to be responding yeah. to, or should we be thinking about it maybe in other ways? Yeah, and I read a metric that the areas that have sort of created these social worker or other other level of response, so certain 911 calls go to this other group, that you have a group that literally they're, they're skilled at de-escalation, you know, basically trying to defuse a problem. And I read that only 10% of those end up having to be escalated to a police coming in. Um, so, you know, in that case, you're solving the problems 90% of the time with probably a person that costs less to the town and probably, you know, better suited for that job. Um, and then you enable the police to then focus on, you know, the, the, the higher risk parts of uh, serve and protect. Um, so. Like unemployment insurance fraud, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't, I'm, I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're busy. Uh, someone right now is 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 busy uh, detecting that right now, trying to, trying to help you. But well, there, there were like there were like 20 cases of it in the police uh, log last week. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't did I did I mention last on our last podcast? I was also one of these people who uh, somebody yeah. used yeah, my identity to file for unemployment. There was there was a lot of them, you know, and that's yeah. Um, but I don't think the, I don't think Nina police plays a role in something like that. That's statewide. You know, I don't I know they take the reports and whatnot, but that's, um, I assume, I hope that that's something more of a state, you know, that there's someone investigating and tracking that down. So we shall see. All right. As usual, we have not solved any problem of Needham, Massachusetts or the country at large, but I hope we have, uh, informed you a little bit about the debate that went on and, and uh, the debate that's going to continue to go on, I'm sure this will be a topic that we'll revisit uh, not too long in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think there's going to be a lot of public forums and whatnot. I just, I hope, I hope we do a good job of, of making sure that all the voices are heard in that, um, because it sounds like some of the voices we probably most want to hear from might be hesitant to, to be involved. So, all right. All right. Thank you for listening. I am Doug Fox. I'm Aaron Pressman, and uh, that's Needham Say More, episode 11. <laughs>